All right, so today I am super excited because I have my first interview guest ever, and I'm really happy that it is Danielle Bolster. She is a licensed mental health counselor and the host of one of my favorite podcasts, From Huns to Humans. First off, Danielle, thanks for getting up so early with me today. Oh, no problem, no problem. Um, I'm so excited to be here. It's been a while that, like, I've had a couple of people ask me to be on and, like, every like other podcast and then like it just hasn't worked out recently for me I've had so much going on and like either my schedule like will change last minute or theirs will change so I'm really excited to actually be able to do this because it's just been a while since yeah (laughs) talk to somebody else that's not myself (laughs) absolutely um so I know you're are you from Massachusetts originally okay so the hard-hitting question are is you are you a patriot's Oh, yes. All right. I'm a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. So, no. (laughs) Let me just end this podcast right now. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) No, it's all good. I, you know, I raised in the Eagles household, but I respect Tom Brady for the sense that he really is the goat. So, yeah. Yeah. He did some really great stuff until he abandoned us. Right. It was funny because I went to Salem during COVID for all the Halloween-y stuff and I saw like signs on the outskirts of town and like because that was the year he left and it was just like thanks for your service Tom Brady like signs on people's lawn I'm like wow like mad respect for that like you know someone did some good stuff for that yeah yeah, yeah we really like him <laughs> yeah no I told your story so how did you get started in the mental health field like what really drove you to do that Um, So actually, when I went to school, I originally went to be a teacher, and um, I have dyslexia and ADHD and processing disorder, and when I went to school, I was like, I went to some meeting about like the MTELs, which is like the Massachusetts teaching exams, and I was like, hey, like, like, I'm a person that's like, I've had a 504, like, all my life, I was like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna need a private testing space I might need extra time like that's the type of stuff that I typically need in like test scenarios so I was like asking about accommodations and they were like you can't get any of those and I was like well guess this isn't the career for me and I literally just changed careers the next day that's crazy um but um I did uh grow up with my best friend who was um had some significant mental health concerns growing up um and that I've always like felt strongly about helping people that need it so it's kind of how I got here that's that's like crazy with the educational aspect because it's like you were going to be a teacher and then they were like just kidding like we can't accommodate you like yeah and you know I wonder sometimes when I look back on that I wonder if I was just like talking to the wrong person or what because like that doesn't really seem right Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be able to get accommodations if I like proved my disability Mm -hmm. but um like I'm pretty sure that's illegal but yeah I was just thinking that I'm pretty sure that's like discriminatory of some you know what I mean especially now like and when did you go to school like for your bachelor's I guess uh yeah that was like 2010 okay gotcha so yeah so I I'm glad that I changed I don't think I ever really wanted to be a teacher but I was told by my family that I wanted to be a teacher so and in a way I am a teacher like I 
teach people about their brains all day long. And it's just a nice one-on-one setting. I don't have to worry about corralling a classroom or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. I have an ESL like certification right. and it is like you said to corral a classroom and especially like you have people in your class that don't really care to be there you know what I mean right um, exactly so to have someone especially you know in therapy wanting to get the help because most of the time people that come are looking to get that help for sure yeah and I actually am just now changing to working with more adults I was working with like teenagers but Uh, that's the thing about teenagers is like a lot of the ones that I was working with did want help but then you get like the ones that their parents are just forcing them to go and things like that and it's like I do not want to hold this kid hostage for 50 minutes like that's not fun it's not helpful for anyone it just makes the kid hate therapy so like, I mean, there are, you know, you do hear about the cases where the kid, you know, you have the reluctant kid and the therapist sticks with them all that time. And then finally there's a breakthrough. And I know that that happens, but that's not going to happen with me. I have no patience. And I, be- I believe that you're going to come back to therapy when you want it. Mm-hmm. And if I say like, Hey, you have the power to come and go, then I, I hope that that's empowering to people at versus this therapist didn't give the light of day. Um, it's more just like, if you want, if you want me, I'm here. And if you don't, I'm don't like. Absolutely. So making the transition from, um, cause I, when I was listening from, uh, from Hunts to Humans, like your intro, you were talking about being in like the community, uh, mental health field and how like is very draining and like, you're not, <laughs> you're not getting really paid, you know, like being a teacher, you don't get really paid for the work you do. And you probably do so much outside of your clocked hours. So, um, and you're trying to make the transition to a private practice, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I do have a private practice now. Um, it's, it's small, but growing and, um, I currently still have my other foot in community mental health. So kind of straddling both sides, if you will. But it's exciting. I really like doing private practice because it is all people that want help. Like, especially now I've changed my private practice to like only be working with adults now. Mm -hmm. I have a couple teenagers, but um, I work with teenagers at my community mental health job. So I was like, teenagers can go over there and then I can get some adults over here (laughs) and hopefully feel some balance in my life because it's nice working with an adult that's like, yes, I'm here to work. I'm here I'm going to do the things that you asked me to do. Like, it's amazing. Like I have this one client and like every week he'll come back and he's just like, yeah, I did all the stuff you told me to do and I feel better. And I'm like, what? Versus like in community mental health and with teenagers, they almost never do <laughs> say, Hey, try this. And they're all just like, you're a lunatic. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And it, it's hard because it's like, you're looking out for the their best interests obviously and it's just like for them to be like yeah no like okay and then because they're teenagers and they're being forced into therapy these aren't the teenagers that are like mom and dad I really want a therapist these are the teenagers that the parents are like I think you need therapy Mm -hmm. probably because of what's happening at home but yeah, I won't comment on that. Right. <laughs> no worries. Do you, are you finding that a lot of people, especially now post 
I mean, I feel like we're still in the pandemic, but do you find that a lot more people are, are seeking counseling, seeking therapy? Okay. Oh yeah. I can't remember the exact number. So like, don't like, don't like quote me or anything, <laughs> but yeah, we're, I think 1.8 million therapists short. Wow. I'm pretty sure that was the number I heard in the entire United States for the need. And I think that that number includes like psychiatrists mm-hmm. or maybe it doesn't, which is concerning because we're also at a huge shortage of psychiatrists. Like the mental health field is just so small and it's because of, you know, that, I mean, I don't know how political do we want to get? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could dabble in it a little bit. Yeah. And it's because of the system and the way it works, right? Like you have to, you have to get your master's to be a outpatient therapist or uh, any sort of like actual therapist. Um, Like you can work in a group home with your bachelor's, like doing like um, direct care work um, and things like that. Or you can be like a mentor thing. Like there, there are some stuff you can do, but when you do those jobs, you're not going to make any money. It's like just above minimum wage. Mm -hmm. And then when, oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. I have allergies right now. I'm waiting for my allergy medicine to kick in. So if you hear me sounding like super raspy, that's why. Um, It's the radio raspy voice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, And then um, when you get your master's, like the loans are just insane. And then they're like, hey, work here for 10 years and then we'll pay them off. But it's 10 years in a job that is extremely demanding and emotionally taxing. And um, pretty much you have to make the decision of whether or not you're going to sacrifice your own mental health and do the student loan forgiveness program Mm -hmm. and not make very good money or go to private practice and uh, make more money, but pay your loans in full. It's like, it's kind of a lose-lose either way. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, because I remember you were saying that with the loans, that's really when you jived into multi-level marketing because, you know, it looked like it was promising and, and, you know, it would help with paying your loans, which I think a lot of people that are educated and have the loans are like, all right, like I'm smart. I can definitely sell XYZ product. Like, Um, and I noticed that a lot of the ones that you were involved with had a lot to do with, like, you had to actually really intake the product, if that makes sense. Like, um, specifically listening to the part where you were talking about Plexus and I'm going to link your first episode that kind of gives you the full story. So everyone knows what I'm referring to. Um, but you were just talking about how your body really changed during that, like your hormones and such. And I'm just thinking like, you know, I guess because you saw the loans that you had, you were like, all right, I'll keep going with this. Like, it's fine. So like, can you just tell me a little bit about like what was going on in your mind during that time? Like everything. Um, so I was, so definitely I noticed that hormone shift. So in this time I was probably like 20, between like 22 and 25. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not exactly sure when, but you know, at that point in time, that's like the end of your like adult development. Like that's when like all of the things in your body are kind of like settling down. And that's like who you're going to be as a person for the most part. 
Um, so I don't know if I was just like still having some hormone problems or what, but I started taking these products and for whatever reason, I felt like my hormones leveled out. Um, and who, who knows, like, you know, we always say with MLM products, like some of them are okay, but they're all overpriced mm-hmm. and some of them are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you listen to my story, um, like, you know, that the end result of me taking these products is that when I tried to stop taking them, I, uh, trigger warning became, uh, I had a suicidal episode because mm-hmm. of the withdrawal effects from these products. So what was more helpful, me not crying every time I got my period or, <laughs> um, like, you know, it's, it's such a lose-lose situation, but yeah, I was thinking that I was going to be able to, so all of the MLMs I was in, sorry, were, um, health and wellness MLMs. And that's because I grew up in the United States of America, where we are super focused on what we look like. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that was really what I was focused on. I was like, I'm just going to try to lose weight and make my body smaller and smaller and smaller so that I can be successful in our society and find a mate and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I was just like, okay, well, like I don't make like any money. So if I sell this stuff, then I can at least get my products covered. And then I was like looking at the comp plan and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I sell like a million of these, then I can actually have a second income that can support me. And I can still do community mental health work without feeling financially drained. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my thought was that I could like actually make a livable wage between the two of them, which was not true. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like one, the one big thing I'm finding through listening to all of these MLMs and, and watching all of these movies or, you know, documentaries about them is that you end up becoming like a product of the product. And I feel like that mentally takes such a toll on you because I feel like you kind of have like an identity crisis in a way, because you're like, all right, I have to, like, my social has to be full of the product. And then it's like, this isn't my real life. Like, but it is at the same time, you know? Yeah, no, it's definitely part of the brainwashing that like they do or um, undo influences, what the kids are calling it now. Um, (laughs) So you become so enmeshed in with this company and like, it gets to the point where like, if you were to work at Target and somebody was like, I hate Target, you're not going to be like, oh my God, like what? Target is the best place. Like, I mean, maybe like, but you're not going to be like upset about it. Like actually upset. Whereas if somebody's like, I don't want to take your supplements, they're gross. Like that's a personal attack when you're in an MLM. Right. Um, and it's just really ingrained into you that you are these products, you and the company are the same thing because you're a CEO, but you're not. So it's just very twisted and manipulative. It is. And I know, you know, in a lot of them, you really have to shell out a lot of money to even get started. And, you know, I think people think like, okay, yeah, to start a business, like you do have to shell out, like, you know, to start a real business, you do have a lot of ups, um, you know, startup costs. Yep. It's like, there's an establishment already there. So why do we have to pay to enter the the ring? But we know why, because big people on the top need that. Right. Right. And like it, the thing that like, I just don't understand is why they don't just, I know why, 
and it, it's because of different like stuff that FTC has done, but um, why they don't just become something more similar to a franchise or why they're so upset when people try to compare them to a franchise. And that's because franchises have more rules yeah. that they can't follow as an MLM, like their structure won't support it. So, um, but if they leaned more towards a franchise, like anyone can open a Dunkin' Donuts that wants to open a Dunkin' Donuts. You just have to figure out how to own a franchise branch. I don't know how to do that, but like, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's like a business in a box, right? It's a bigger box. Yeah. The box is a store. (laughs) Well, and then with MLM, it's a can of worms, let's say. Yeah, exactly. Can of Worms is a box that is just filled with pretty paper and pretty poison. Right. And that you want to post about the first time you get it. And then you're just like, all right, now this is my life. Like, this is all yep. I do. I am nothing but this. And it's it's sad because I, I feel like, and especially in the U.S., being such a consumer, you know, co- uh, country, it's just like, wow, you were the product now. Like, yeah. you're selling yourself. And that's, yeah, sucks. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and you don't realize it because you're so in in it that you just think you're doing the best things and it just becomes really sad. And now that I'm out, like looking back and like seeing my old posts, I'm just like, oh, old Danielle or young Danielle, I guess. Like, what were you doing? (laughs) And I think you bring up, oh, I'm sorry. I think you bring up a great point too, that the age range that you were in, because again, you, your adult brain wasn't fully matured yet. And I think that's how they, you know, they target a lot of young women because we're not fully developed yet. We're, you know, struggling after college or, you know, people didn't go to college, you know, finding that uh, extra uh, financial support. And then it's just like, all right, they're in it for life and they don't know any better. Like we got them. Yeah. And, you know, that's also part of it too, is like targeting women for sure, because of like the nurturing side, because even if you're selling, I don't know, you could be selling blankets and you're going to be like, this is life-changing. You could sell water bottles, life-changing. You're helping people. You're helping people survive. You're helping people hydrate. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like everything is about helping people, no matter what it is. If you're selling soap, you're helping people. If you're selling perfume, you're helping people. Like, it doesn't matter. Anything you sell, you are helping people. And some, most women, or not most, I don't know. I don't know percentages. So like a lot of women have like, you know, some sort of nurturing part of them that wants to help people. Like it's very much ingrained in our societal norms that women are nurturing and caring and they want to help. So even if you're not in a helping profession, like I am, you know, that's a great way for them to target you to be like, oh, well, like this could bring fulfillment to your life. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, it's like selling the dream. You can have it all and it's this easy, but it's not easy, especially when you're posting and no one is liking or commenting on your post and you're just like, well, I feel like, how do I make this sound better? You can't. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There's no way. Right. So with, um, I know you said you had ADHD and I know like listening to specifically Roberta Blevins, she talks a lot about with her ADHD, like the dopamine hits, like when she would get like a box of leggings, it would be like the instant gratification of like, oh my God, like, you know, just happiness. So I guess after being in an MLM and like 
I guess having that increased dopamine, like how have you been able to like kind of regulate that? Is there a way to regulate it post this lifestyle? Do you know what I mean? That's so interesting that you say that because I never actually really thought about that. Um, I mean, so uh, I, I'm back on medication for my ADHD, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, but so like that's helping, but when I initially left MLM altogether, I was not on medication. I actually just got on medication again last month. Um, but I, I think for me, I ended up replacing MLM with anti-MLM. Okay. Um, I felt very strongly that I needed to undo the bad that I had done, even though I was not very high up, but I was in and out of MLM for 10 years. So I felt like scummy and yucky. And I was like, okay, well, if I do this and can educate and also process my feelings in doing all of this, then like, why not? Cause, um, like, it's kind of hard to find a therapist that is anti-MLM or understands what anti-MLM is. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have a therapist now, I really like her, but she doesn't really get it. She's okay. like, I think Brody and Enfields is one. And I'm like, yep, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it's not something that therapists really advertise mm-hmm. that they're anti-MLM or that they understand the AM- MLM structure. So it's like really hard to work through it because if you do have a therapist, I mean, at least for me, I remember when I originally first got out, I had a different therapist and she didn't really get it at all. Like, I didn't feel like she tried to understand it. And it was just kind of like, I felt more alienated. Okay. Mm. Um, so like what I try to do is like when people are looking for therapists, when they approach me, I'll usually tell them to look for a therapist that has some sort of understanding about like domestic violence, because we can at least kind of go from domestic violence to cults, mm-hmm. um, and potentially get that therapist interested enough that they might listen to like an episode of my podcast or an episode of Roberta's podcast to try to understand these things. Um, or like downline pod is a great podcast that just like really explains how MLMs work um or you know YouTube whatever you know just in the hope that a therapist might find some sort of interest and want to learn and understand these structures and why they're so damaging because otherwise your client just feels so alone and stupid honestly like at least that's how I kind of felt. I was like, okay, well, like you don't get it. So yeah. Which is the the exact opposite of the reason you go to therapy. (laughs) Right. And like, uh, could that all just be me projecting my experience onto the therapist? Sure. Right. (laughs) You know, yeah. It's eight o'clock in the morning. I only have so much brain power to figure out why I'm doing the things I do, I guess. Absolutely. Even late later in the day, I still don't know half the time why I do the things I do. I'm wondering too, moving forward with, you know, the, the way that the world is and, and, you know, people going through school to become counselors. I'm wondering if, if MLM and cult like curriculum will kind of be added in, if that makes sense, because I feel like it's growing so much, um, especially with the rise of, you know, everything that we're hearing podcast wise and just little things that you're like, oh, I don't think that's a cult. And then it's like, no, it is. (laughs) 
I would love to say that that would be something that happens in our future. And like, it's much more likely to happen in a college setting than it is like a high school setting, because obviously if you teach a kid that's mom's a Mary Kay rep, that Mary Kay's a cult, and then they go home and they're like, mom, you're in a cult. They're going to be really mad at school um, versus a college kid. You can really get away with that stuff because they're adults. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately I don't think that we're heading in that direction. I would love, I know that Stephen Hassan has like courses and he's working to build more courses mm -hmm. on like understanding uh, the manipulation of cult mind control and things like that. Um, and that would be really great. Um, and I know like some of the, the OG anti-MLM people like Doug Brooks and, and Stephen and mm -hmm. uh, Robert Pitchback, Robert <laughs> Fitzpatrick. Um, I know that they've done some like great stuff. And I think, uh, I know Doug Brooks has done like some educating, um, but I mean, obviously they have all written books and things like that. So it's hard to say. Um, understandably so. Yeah. Um, one of the things too, I wanted to ask is while you were in the MLM and, and you know, seeing clients, just kind of how you managed yourself, because obviously being with the client, you know, some therapists, you know, take that, you carry that with you when you go home. And then on top of that, you're, you're in this MLM as well. So it must've been super like overwhelming to balance the two and like keep a good, your own good mental health. So I guess, how did you try and balance that? If you did. That's <laughs> so funny that you talk about that. Um, actually I'm currently on a medical leave for my mental health because okay. everything kind of just became too much. And you know what, that is like a valid, like I, I'm taking care of myself too late, but I'm still stopping and taking care of myself. Right. And like, sometimes you can't, like, it depends on your time off or it depends on like all of these other things. So I think it's about knowing yourself and knowing the warning signs and knowing like when your internal alarms are going off. And that's all really hard to do, especially if uh, you struggle with like your own, like self-identifying stuff a lot of therapists they'll like be able like we can tell you guys what's up with you all day long but knowing what's wrong with ourselves is like uh no <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah I think it's just about taking a step back and making sure you're not take biting off more than you can chew and realizing that you need to slow down too absolutely so how do you practice self-care like what's your like go-to thing that you like to do for self-care Oh, um, I really like to work with my dog. Um, it makes me feel productive because I'm like doing something to help her, but it's also to help me because like her being a good dog helps me not be stressed out. And then, um, like it's good because I get that dopamine rush of like, I taught my dog to do something cool. And also I get to like pet her and stuff, which is all dopamine. <laughs> absolutely what kind of dog do you have what's her name oh her name is amelia she is um she's a rescue so yeah, yeah. 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 rescues are the best honestly i have two and they i never had a dog growing up i don't know about you but um i love them like like you said They're the so dopamine great. from petting them and just like when you come home we call it the welcome home doggy dance when we come home 
that is just like nothing tops that honestly for happiness <laughs> I love the welcome home doggy dance I'm probably gonna steal that from you <laughs> there's actually, there's a pillow yeah. we got from a vet that says the welcome home doggy dance like done here oh my god that's so funny yeah that's hilarious because we definitely get the welcome home doggy dance I'm looking at her right now she's outside uh, <laughs> but yeah she's so wonderful and like the joy of my life and I love spending time with her and just doing things with her we are starting an agility class next month together so I don't have kids so I feel like she's my pride and joy <laughs> totally understand that so my older rescue he's turning three this week so I'm like having a 21st birthday for him like try a doggy <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully like apparently in North Carolina there's like a brewery here that has like dog beer like obviously it's not alcoholic so I'm gonna try and find it and get it for him be like you're 21 happy That's birthday yeah I don't have kids either yet so this is it this is it for me right now yeah yeah exactly love it <laughs> um so I guess to to ended off I guess what what's next for you so like you said you're taking some leave for your mental health which is super important um and obviously you're continuing the podcast so um what's next for you what, what do you hope comes down the pike for you um I'm hoping that I'll be able to like expand my private practice and um focus more on that I work primarily with uh, the LGBT community and dissociative disorders mm -hmm. um and it, it's just so rewarding and it's so um, interesting to me. So I'm really excited to just kind of keep doing what I want to do. Um, I have some trainings that I'm, are coming up that I'm really excited about. Um, but yeah, I, I'm also hoping the podcast is like doing really well. Um, we're almost at 10,000 views. So I know. And like the podcast anniversary is coming up too. So like, oh my God, yes. That's awesome. Congrats, girl. I'm excited. I don't know what I'm going to do moving forward with my anti-MLM work because when I first started, I was going hard and fast and I was putting out like five episodes a week and then eventually I burned myself out and I was like, mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and so now I've like currently in July, we're taking a little break mm -hmm. um, and then I'm, we're going to start back up in August and I don't know, like there's a lot of stuff I would like to do anti-MLM wise too, but um, like I said, it's kind of just about balancing because I've been doing too much. Mm -hmm. um, I work about 60 hours a week right now, so I'd like to make it so I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Understandable for sure. And where can people find you on social so we can get you some follows? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at from hunts to humans. There's like a little underscore between each word on Instagram and then on TikTok from hunts to humans, all one word. Um, and then the podcast, uh, on pretty much any major podcasting place, Spotify, Apple podcasts. Um, there are others, Amazon oh. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's, um, uh, from hunts to humans. So and I will link that in the show notes of course so people can check you out because you have so many so many unique stories about MLM so many unique perspectives and and even like when you have people from like the same MLM they still like their stories are still so specific and different from one another 
Right, exactly. And you have, a, I have a lot of people, especially in Monet, that will just go and they'll listen to all of the Monet episodes. And then eventually when they finally get it, they'll go back and listen to all the others. And they're like, oh my God, these are, they're all the same, but different, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Well, thanks Danielle for being with us today. I really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and congratulations on your new podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to see it grow and uh, continue to support your podcast. Thank you so much for all you do. Thanks.